0: I like think in Corinthians chapter 12, we're going to be finishing this book up soon. Probably be perfect timing for the Christmas stuff coming in. Um, but, oh, also we, uh, our Operation Christmas Child boxes, are over 50 of them went out to the next center, which where they'll take them from there like a collection site. So uh, that's awesome, right? Think about that. 50 some kids, lives being changed and uh, encouraged. And, um, and that's a blessing. Yeah, go ahead and clap. I don't want to make it, you know, all right. You're clapping for yourselves. That's so arrogant. It's ridiculous. All right. Um, I'm kidding. You're clapping for the children. That was a joke, obviously. You're clapping for the children. All right. Um, Yes, 2 Corinthians chapter 12. Let's pray and we'll get started. Lord, thank you so much for this time this morning. Um, Each person here, we know they are here for a reason. And God, we pray that you would... um, Help us to see what you want us to see. Have our eyes be opened. Give us eyes to see and ears to hear. God, um, and just move in this place. Uh, Make our hearts ready. Even if we're not willing, you'd make us willing. And uh, God, help us to see what's really going on so we can live in confidence of knowing uh, what you've called us to, where you want us to go, what you want us to do. And, and, And most importantly, we would know that you're with us. And you're... Absolutely involved in making us more like you. We're not alone. We're not isolated. Uh, you're doing it. And uh, we're just uh, trying to keep our hands open and allow, and allow that, God. So we pray that you would um, just minister to us and speak to us and, and that we would grow this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. All right. right. Second Corinthians uh, chapter 12, verse 1. Uh, Paul has been going through his uh, basically qualifying himself with the Corinthian believers because they've really fallen in love with these uh, apostles that they've kind of seen come up the ranks that are very spectacular in the way they talk. They're very... uh, Savvy, and they look probably look good, and they uh, say all the right things, and kind of have lives that people would would want. Some be good TV, right? Uh, and and they've started like that. They didn't like the way Paul lived his life. They didn't like the image they saw from Paul. They didn't like seeing. Uh, him being beaten, and we're going to talk about his thorn in the flesh, and, and being imprisoned so often, and seemingly very poor, and, and they did not want that life. They wanted a life that was, you know, all about, uh, basically the world, and in a God package, So that's kind of like what they're looking at. Paul is relentlessly not letting them go on this because he wants them to see that is not freedom. That is not the life we're called to. That is actually just more bondage. And and he talked about uh, how those those prophets and those apostles, they manipulate you. They even went as far as to strike you on the face. These guys, they were only about themselves. Paul said, I didn't even take an offering from you. I brought uh, I was supported and, and supported you with money from the poor churches, not you rich people over here, just just to take care of you, and, I'm, and I made my own way, I, I worked and I labored, and the whole point is, we want you to know that this is not about man, this is about God, and, and this is what it looks like to be an apostle, to be a follower of Jesus is to look like Jesus. And so he really has a problem with the way they're viewing these apostles in such a high light and the way that they're downgrading him because he doesn't just see it as a personal attack, although he does, he sees it as an attack on Jesus, on who Jesus really is. And now they're basically serving themselves up a fake gospel and a fake Jesus. And so he's not letting them go because, again, there's no freedom in that. If you don't know who Jesus is, then you don't know that he saves. And you're missing out on on what you were created for from the beginning of humanity was relationship with God. So I can't let you slide on that. Because I love you. I can't tell you that this is is good for you when I know it's poison. So, he's going to get into a section here that is... This is just an awesome, unbelievable section of scripture um, that you can go all... You know, there's a lot to it. Uh, we're just going to cover 10 verses today. Verse one, it is doubtless uh, not profitable for me to boast. I will come uh, to visions and revelations of the Lord. Paul keeps saying, like, I, I, I don't want to boast. I don't like boasting. I, it's, this is not a good idea even to boast. But I need you guys to understand that these. Apostles, These fake apostles that are flexing all their muscles and saying, we're way more spiritual than Paul. They were all about their visions. They were all about uh, the revelations. He's like, I'm going to let you guys know I am experiencing those too. Matter of fact, we're going to see likely one of the greatest, most gnarly visions uh, that anyone's seen. You can be assured that if you're following God and you're spending time with him, he's going to speak to you. He's going to show you things. If all you're looking to do is to, uh, to, to have him just show you things or, or kind of like learn a new thing or be like, uh, God, give me a vision so I could tell everyone that I saw a vision. That's not the point. That's not what it's really about. And so Paul really doesn't make a big deal of it very often. We're going to find out. He's been sitting on this one for a while. Uh, it, it's kind of like the idea, too, of the, the ones who are the loudest are often the shallowest. The, you know, heard it been said, a shallow brook babbles the loudest. Right? The closer it is to uh, you know, the smaller amount of water, the louder it is going over all the different rocks and all that. But uh, So Paul's going to say, like, I didn't really make a big deal about this because Paul's whole point and purpose is not preaching visions and revelations which are useful, absolutely, but what does he say? We preach the gospel. The gospel is what we preach. we experiencing these things and, and, and they're useful and, and they're good, But we preach the gospel. Well, you'll find often false prophets preach visions and revelations, but not the gospel. You lose the gospel, you got a good idea that you're dealing with someone who's not exactly legit. So anyway, Paul says, I don't like boasting, but I I care enough that I can't let you live in this unhealthy place, and I can't let you say that you don't think I'm spiritual because I don't line up with these phonies and actors. You wanna think I don't hear from God, I don't see visions from God? Here you go. And he's actually gonna say, uh, tell a story like in the third person where it sounds like it's not him. You know, people do that. Like you say, I, I know a guy who's struggling with something. Um, what kind of advice would you give that guy? You know? You're like, You're the guy, right? <laughs> it's pretty obvious, right? Especially if you like kind of like poke a hole in it, then they get emotional. You go, Uh oh, that's definitely you. Because you wouldn't get emotional about somebody else's problem, would you? And especially if somebody was uh, confronting it, right? No, that's not what they're—that's not what they're thinking. I wouldn't think, you know, if I was thinking in their anyway. So Paul's speaking about a man, and he's trying to—I think he's trying to keep the it off of himself. And so he's like, "I know a man in Christ who fourteen years ago." What about holding that for fourteen years? Not really saying anyway. Could you imagine like nowadays it's like, okay, we'll get into it and we'll, yeah. 14 years ago, whether in the body, I do not know, or whether out of the body, I do not know. God knows. Such a one was caught up to the third heaven. All right, I know a man. And 14 years ago, he was caught up to the third heaven and Paul literally does not know if he literally if he actually went there or if it was just a vision he doesn't know he's like only god really knows that i don't know you know what that tells me he thinks he probably was there because if you would know if it's i think that's a vision right like i i don't i think he physically felt like he was there there's no reason to speculate one way or the other really because he says it right there god knows but Paul was taken up to the third heaven. You're like, well, third heaven, how many is there? Well, there used to be a show called Seventh Heaven, right? So that's got to obviously be the, the top, and the Camden family is up, you know. Uh, no. Well, the idea of the third heaven, well, there's been a lot of ideas, and, and that there's different levels and ranks of heaven, and you can go here, and, and if you're good enough, you'll go there. And But there's actually, uh, in the sacred writings, Adam Clark says, Three heavens are only mentioned, uh, are are, are mentioned. The first is the atmosphere or like the blue sky, basically. The second is the starry heavens, which would be like outer space, you know, where you're looking up in the stars in the sky. Uh, And thirdly, the, the place of the blessed or blessed or the throne of the divine glory, what we would think of as heaven. So those are kind of like the third, the three. And and that's actually supported Psalm Psalm 19 verse 1. The heavens declare the glory of the Lord and the firmament shows his handiwork. This is talking about what we can see. So these are the heavens, okay? So don't get too caught up on third heaven and like, am I going to the first heaven? Because, you know, I messed up when I was younger. And how good is it there? Is it like kind of good, but they, they went like a little cheap on the countertops and the cabinets? You know? And the second heaven is nice, but, you know, you're still pretty inland, you know, like. uh. (laughs) And then the third heaven is paradise, you know, and how do we get there? The the third heaven is the heaven that we think of heaven, okay? So that's especially got to understand the writings at the time and the way they understood things to get that, right? And So he's talking about heaven, heaven, paradise, He's going to be talking about that in a second. He says, paradise, right? So he's talking about heaven, heaven. I was brought up there 14 years ago. Either in my mind or physically, I can't tell you which one. Because it seriously felt like I was there. Now, could you imagine what uh, these apostles would have done if they had this? There would be a tour about this. Movies, books, what I saw in heaven, right? Right? And it would be, that would be, imagine the restraint it takes from Paul, just to not bring that up. Oh, cool. You guys are worshiping God. Well, I've been to heaven. So, oh, you guys are saying that this is like heaven on earth. Well, mm, no, no, <laughs> absolutely not. It's not. Cause I've been there, you know, like you're hanging out at boomers. You are like, this is like Disneyland. Uh, no, <laughs> I've been to Disneyland. So it's not, um, it's a little different. It's good. Not to bust your bubble. And you go, oh man, Disneyland, Disney World, same thing. Oh, I'm sorry, no, Disney World is a lot better than Disneyland. Dare I say Epcot Center? You know, I don't know. I've never been there, okay? So I can't, I can't say. But this is kind of like that mindset, right? You know, like that we would have for this. 14 years ago, he goes to heaven. Do you think that there's good things waiting for those who, who s- sanctify themselves and set their hearts on Jesus? Man, think about this. What it, he experienced. I think what's even more amazing is, is the fact that all the pain and suffering goes through. He's like, it is so worth it. it was a good, there's a good clue that he is connected with the real thing. So he's saying, I don't know what it was, whether I was in body or out of body. God knows. But I was caught up in the third heaven. I do know what I saw. And I know such a man, whether in the body or out of the body, I do not know. God knows. Again, we don't know. I have no idea. It could have been. Could have, it's up for God to understand. Which is actually um, an understated thing in our lives. Like to think that that's important. There's a lot of things in life where if, if we like try to reason it out and figure it out, it is, just brings pure frustration, right? And even when we try and like take the scripture and try and fit it into the box of our mind so we can feel elite to understand everything, and, oh, that's easily answered, and that's easily answered. Paul's okay with not knowing whether it was physical or just a vision. He's okay with that. God knows, and I know what I saw, and I'm okay with that. Good. There's going to be more to that, too, in a second here. Verse 4, how he was caught up into paradise and heard inexpressible words, which is not lawful for a man to utter. The word paradise, I was reading this, as Guzik said, is taken from Persian word for an enclosed, luxurious garden, often only found among royalty in the ancient world. So there's a little bit of an image to that, right? (laughs) The way they see birds of paradise, right? You guys, those birds. That's there they're from there. They're the, that's what the birds like look like in heaven. Uh, no, it's a plant, obviously. But it, it's, he says, I can't even tell you what I saw. He says it's inexpressible inex- with words. And, and he says, which is not lawful for a man. And heard, he heard inexpressible words, which is not lawful for a man to utter. I can't say it to describe this or to try to speak it would literally be sin. What does sin mean? Missing the mark. There's no way you can't miss the mark. You can't describe heaven with earthly language. We're just talking about, right here, we were talking about uh, uh, words and how they're super weird. And now, I, I said to Kellen, I said, if that's a foyer, or a foyer, then your last name is Moyer, right? <laughs> and he says, well, Wo- we said wood and food doesn't. That's not you know spelled the same or or good wood food. That's food food good woo any wood. You know Amer- it's like English. They wrote the rules afterwards. They like let's just throw a language together and then we'll try and write the rules afterwards because who knows I before e except after c and sometimes in different situations like in neighbor and way and it sounds like a and I don't know. If it rhymes, then we'll, it might look like we knew what we were doing, but we just kind of threw it together. Yeah, you, know, you don't know that until you're like, teaching your kids to read, and you're like, why is that like that? You know, I don't know. I can't tell you. Uh, it sure would have made more sense to be like this, but that's okay. This is our language. But th- th- all that to say, it's flawed, right? It's flawed. Our language is flawed. And, and there's no words to describe what Paul saw, and he, he goes as far as to say, which is not lawful for a man to utter Thanks, Paul. You go to heaven, you tell us nothing. We're trying to, he's telling us a lot. I, honestly, I think he's telling us a lot. It's bigger and better and more amazing. And the things that you hear, the things is more than I can, I would even dare to try to explain. You ever had that situation where you, you, there's something that's so good, you feel like I can't even say it. You just got to experience it. This cake, you've, I'm not saying anything, eat it, take a bite, no, not that one, no, no, a little bit more of that, you want all of it, get the whole thing, oh, what do you think, oh, it's alright, <laughs> you know, like that's the most frustrating thing ever, right, when you love something and nobody else loves it, but that, you, that we kind of get a glimpse of that, like I can't tell you, I just think it's the best thing I've ever had in my entire life. And here you go. I think the closest thing we have to experiencing this is like um, what it feels like for a child to be born. You can explain it all you want. But until you experience it for yourself, you just, you can't, you don't know. And it's funny. It's like different with each one. But it's just like, there's something to it. Like, man, I, I, I read all the books. I heard everyone's experience. But it was way different than that. Way better than that. More rich than that. This will be infinitely more than that. So I think in what Paul's not saying, he's saying a lot. Like what, what if he could describe it in exact, he could give an exact example. Here's what he said and this is kind of what it's like. And yeah, it's kind of like an upgraded this. He's like, I've got nothing to say. And if I try to say anything, it would be uh, basically sin. This is what he saw. And he's kept this quiet for 14 years. Seemingly. I mean, I'm sure he said it to certain people, but this is the first time it showed up in Scripture. Verse 5. Of such a one, I will boast. Yet not of myself, I will not boast, except in my infirmities. He's saying, This is the type of apostle you would listen to. This is the type of apostle you would think had something to say. One that went to heaven. But me, I'm going to boast in my infirmities. They're both me. (laughs) Like you guys would think that this guy was very valued and what he brought to the table. And oh, this guy's actually seen some things. This sounds interesting. But Paul says, that's not what I'm going to boast in anyway. I boast in my infirmities. Verse six, for though I might desire to boast, I will not be a fool, for I will speak the truth. But I refrain, lest anyone should think of me above what he sees me to be or hears from me. Like you think you know who I am and you think you have this, this image in your head of who I am and, and you don't know, you're missing out on who I am and which reflects you're missing out on who Jesus is. Because imagine the confidence Paul had because he was living it for real. You can have that confidence when you're living before the Lord. You, it's not confidence like in a sense of uh, arrogance or, um, or I, I'm just right and, and everyone needs to listen to me and you can't question me. He's saying, you, my heart is legit before you, before the Lord. I, I am willing to put that on the line. They don't know what's in front of them, and they're mocking him, and they don't know who he even is. This value that's right in front of them. The movie Cars, Cannon's favorite movie when he was little. Like, watched it almost every single day. Like, just, like, watched it over and over and over again, you know. The very first song, you know, life is a highway. And it's like, okay, here we go. Cars is on again, you know. And uh, it's, what's interesting is, is this light, Lightning McQueen race car gets stuck in this town in the middle of nowhere on Route 66. And he's there and, and the sheriff can't stand him, doesn't want anything to do with him, right? And he just can't stand the sheriff. And he's like, you just don't get it. You don't understand anything. You wouldn't understand what it means to be me. I'm a race car. And then the then the Doc Hudson, who's like, who's you know, I'm explaining the movie, I know, but it's, there's a point, says, well, why don't we have a race, you and me? And so they go out, and it's a dirt race, and Lightning McQueen goes off the edge, because he doesn't know how to drive in the dirt. Well, it turns out Doc Hudson is this famous, like m- one of the most famous race cars. And Lightning McQueen idled him, idolized him. Didn't know who he was. He had disappeared. And he had no idea who was in front of him. And what ended up happening was by, by opening himself up to this guy and allowing him to speak into his life, he became a much, much better racer because of it. He had looked at him with a, a value that wasn't actually what it was. Oh, some little, Some cop and some broke downtown. No, he was actually the greatest racer. And he was able to change his whole life. I, I just... Sorry, it's a Disney. Disney. Yeah, they were. I'm sure they were thinking about the gospel and Paul when they did that. But but it's like a cool scene because you can see the arrogance start washing off and falling off as he slowly becomes underneath him as a disciple of his t- training and his teaching, and he starts to listen and believe. And what happens is. There's growth, and and he's better than he was before, and the arrogance and the ego is gone, and you're now more open and pliable. That's what Paul wants for this church, for the Corinthians. you got to understand, you don't know it all, and the things you think you know are actually not real and right. So drop the arrogance and grow. That's a word for all of us at certain times, right? Yeah, no, I know that how that is, and I know how this is, and yeah, yeah, I, I know it all. I don't. I know more than that person. I wouldn't listen to them. I won't worry about that. We called to drop the arrogance and grow. Paul's sitting there. He's like, "Guys, I know the way to life, and unfortunately, it's not what you think. Fortunately, it is different than what you think." You think it's unfortunate, it's actually fortunate. Because what you're caught up in is the world. It's carnality, it's fleshly, and it is it will eat you alive. I'm going to show you a different way. Verse 7. And lest I should be exalted above measure by the abundance of revelations. All of a sudden he changes over to, and I... There you go. Just in case you were wondering if it wasn't Paul. He says, and I... <laughs> And I, and lest I should be exalted above measure by the abundance of revelations, a thorn in the flesh was given to me, a messenger of Satan to buffet me, lest I be exalted above measure. Buffet and buffet, again, English, come on, let's get it together, you know. He's saying, I've seen the things that I've seen would be enough to kind of make me think more of myself and maybe give me a little bit of arrogance. And so what came with these revelations was a thorn in the flesh given to me. So we're going to see a very weird dynamic here where this thorn in the flesh is given to him, seemingly being used by the Lord, and yet a messenger of Satan to buffet him. What? Are they working together? Is this like God and Satan were like, hey, let's just do this project together, you know? Let's do a collab on on Paul, you know? Is that what's going on here? No, no. There are two very different intents happening here. And you could see it very much in the life of Job, right? Where Satan is allowed to come in and, and wreak havoc in Job's life. But God knows full well that there's going to be something built in this that is so much greater. And the, things, the attacks that are being uh, drawn and, and uh, executed on Job will turn to him being way stronger and way more of a problem to the enemy in the end. So Satan's buffeting Paul, but in the meantime what it's doing is something far greater. It's a tool in the hand of God. And Paul sees it, I think he sees it as both, God has allowed this, Satan is really tightening the screws. It's brutal. This is not fun. And the idea of, of being buffeted, ugh, it does not sound fun, right? Lest they be exalted above measure. Verse 8. Concerning this thing, I pleaded with the Lord three times that I might be, depart from me. I think Paul was accustomed to God answering his prayers. I think he was accustomed to like, all right, well, let's just pray about it. That's gone. <laughs> you know? Oh, I got a thorn in the flesh. Let's just, you know. See, so he brought it up at least three times. Some believe way more than three times. So he, But he came before the Lord and said, take this thing away. Just like we all would do. It's obviously not like a little thing where they like, ah, uh, just... It it was enough for where he's like, please, like, take this away from me. Paul prayed until he got a response here. I think that's important. Don't give up praying until God gives you a response. That's, Paul gets one. And he said to me, the Lord said, my grace is sufficient for you. For my strength is made perfect in weakness. (laughs) That was the answer. Take it away, Paul. Listen, my grace is sufficient for you. Sufficient? What does that mean? That means it's enough. I will take care of you. My grace is sufficient for you. And here's the, I'm going to take care of you. I'm going to cover you. I'm going to show you I love you. That's what grace is really. Like, it's about love, isn't it? It's like, it's like showing you love. I love you and I'm going to take care of you. And it's an, I'm enough for you, okay? I'm enough. And For my strength is made perfect in weakness. I'm going to not only sustain you, but I'm going to use this and make you even stronger. Because you'll trust in yourself even less. you have to look to me even less. Therefore, most gladly, I would rather boast in my infirmities that the power of Christ may rest upon me. Here's where Paul's saying, I'll boast in my infirmities. Because he's saying, like, you don't understand. When I'm weak, I am that much stronger. Listen to how he says it. The power of Christ may rest upon me. That is so heavy. And he's experiencing it. That's why he's able to say, no, I'm okay where I'm at. It is annoying. But I'm okay where I'm at. Because God is using it. And I would not be who I am without it. I wouldn't be as, uh, you know, uh, as efficient or not efficient. um, Useful in his hands without it. He prays. God responds. There's always more going on than we think. Because everybody in this room has... Bumps in the road, maybe roadblocks in the road. Maybe you woke up and you had a flat tire. Maybe the engine just blew up in the middle of the freeway. All of that to say, you are not alone. And God is eagerly working to try to make himself known and powerful in your weakness. You know, as, as we grow up, we think... What's a sign of growing up? Independence, right? What's a sign of becoming strong, a strong adult? I don't need to call and ask for help. I can do this on my own. I'm strong. I got this. And so it would be easy to think of that in the same way before the Lord. But the the, the more we grow and mature in the Lord, the more we realize we need Him. So it's the opposite, right? And so he's saying, like, this keeps me closer to Him. And this response is so epic. He's like, please God, take it away. Please God, take it away. Listen, Paul. Listen, I'm not like ignoring your your requests. But I I have something else going on here. Here's your answer. My grace is sufficient for you. My strength is made perfect in weakness. Three things from this epic response that you notice. One, God is with Paul. And it's important. To put this into whatever you're going through, whatever thorn in the flesh you're going through right now, because I'm sure everyone in here, whether it's a tiny thorn or a giant thorn, is going through something right now. Reminder: God is with Paul. God is with you. He's with you. He's not forgotten you. He's not forsaken you. He's with you. He's 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 there. The second thing, he'll give Paul what he needs. He's going to take care of it. That's that sufficiency. You know? Like, I'm going to give you what you need to get through this. So, wherever you're at, whatever you're dealing with, God will give you what you need to get through this season. Wherever, that's, even though it seems bleak, this is a great promise, right? And three, the third one, God will show his strength more powerfully through Paul's weakness and yours. So as we find that weakness in the, the hard part of our life, the struggle, he's going to reveal himself to be even stronger in that way. So it's, it all changes in the way you look at it. You look at this as opportunity. Like, what's going on? Okay, something's going on. There's something heavy going on at home. Uh, There's a battle here. This is going on at work. Whatever it is, this is an opportunity for growth in trusting the Lord and to watch Him make Himself known powerfully. Because there's something about when things are easy, we aren't engaged. There's nothing greater than seeing God move. So Paul is definitely willing to boast in his infirmity. Like if the point is of us living here is to to make God known, to tell people about him, infirmity is where that happens best. And I think what he's trying to say, he needs the Corinthians to see that. That their idea of an apostle is just a man-made creation that has the flesh all over it. But this is real. And this is, will stand the test of time. That other stuff, it'll fail. If you, if you make your whole uh, apostleship based on your beauty and your charm, that's going to go away. It will eventually fall off. The director of the Bible college used to say, Dave Shirley, good, good, oh, I said this with the guys good-looking, don't-stick, good-cook-and-do. I mean, at the end of the day, some things last and others don't, right? Spurgeon says this. This is a super rad quote. Great tribulation brings out the great strength of God. If you never feel inward conflicts and sinking of soul, you do not know much of the upholding power of God. But if you go down, down into the depths of soul anguish till the deep threatens to shut her mouth upon you, and then the Lord rides upon a cherub and does and does fly, yea, rides upon the wings of the wind and delivers your soul and catches you away to the third heaven of delight, then you perceive the majesty of divine grace. Oh, there must be the weakness of man felt, Recognized and mourned over or else the strength of the son of God will never be perfected in us. We find that depth, the deep longing and we recognize just how desperate we are. And what's the advantage? We see God come through for us and we go, I bet he could do it again. So I think what's important is that we don't hate the season we're in when you're in it. <laughs> That's hard to do. Remember, Paul play, prayed at least three times. It's not like he got there and he's like, oh, a thorn in the flesh. Praise God, this is a great opportunity. He had to come to that realization. I'm sure after like pleading with God, can you please take this away? I'm so over this. And there's seasons of life that are like that. I need to get out of this How do I get out of this? How do I leave? Well, you might be leaving the thing you're supposed to be in for that season. Because God is trying to show you something. And it's not how to go out the doggy door with your tail in between your legs. He's saying, I've got doors open for you, but you're going to have to stay here for a little bit longer. Because you're not ready for that until you get through this. You 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 can't step into this next place until you learn how to trust me right here. As, long, as soon as you know me here, you'll know me there, and then once you know me there, well, it's going to be a whole another thing. And then you're going to, and so you, that's how you're going to experience that power. Verse ten. Therefore, I take pleasure in infirmities, in reproaches in needs, in persecutions, in distresses, for Christ's sake. For when I am weak, then I am strong. Can you see this? This is totally countercultural. I take pleasure? Like Chick-fil-A, my pleasure, pleasure? Like, I take pleasure in infirmities, in reproaches, in needs, in persecutions, in distresses, for Christ's sake. Because I know what it's doing. For when I am weak, then I am strong. Do you think Paul believed in what he taught? Never experienced. We'll never experience the the riches that God has waiting for us. It's spoken of in Ephesians, like we have just these riches waiting for. He just wants to give them to us. We'll never experience them if we can't get here. Lord, I trust you. uh, And when I'm weak, I got to put away. I am not strong. I am not as strong as I think I am. Like, and my strength, although it could be useful in the flesh, it is a wars against me in the spirit. And by the way, if this is our mindset, who can stop us? Like, if the worst things that come to you or come at you are actually strengths, this is Okay. <laughs> God will sustain you, will see you through. Doesn't mean it doesn't hurt. Doesn't mean it isn't painful. Doesn't mean you're going to ask for it that season to stop. But if you can keep your eyes on him, he's able to lift you up above the situation and to use that season for good. So if you're in, the, the, we're in that place, you're, whatever it is, whatever the thorn, whatever the block, road bump, whatever it is in the road recognize what it is and ask God for your for help to endure that season and to honor him in it well and in doing so what's going to be the fruit it's going to be good fruit. Let's pray Lord we thank you so much for your your grace for us that it, your your grace is sufficient for everything that we have to go through you that promise,